welcome to another edition of Legacy Listening. I'm your host, Nancy Predahl, Lampernearson President and CEO. As an advocate for building resiliency and value in our communities, I am passionate about deepening our impact around these conversations. Through our quarterly podcast, we'll learn from unique and dynamic voices across the communities we serve. Staying in the know about how we can all leave a legacy strengthens our ability to deliver visions of a better tomorrow. I'm so excited today our guest is Patricia Kearns, President and CEO at QLI, Brain and Spinal Injury Specialists. QLI takes pride in the power of knowledge, turning information into impact. I love that, Pat. They embrace the belief that their business has a moral obligation to support and advocate for people, community, and the world. QLI understands that true recovery is the art of rebuilding a life. This means anchoring the rehabilitation to identity, who a person is, and who that individual still can be. They forge innovative ways to harness that identity to not only guide recovery, but to define life beyond. That, that's just an amazing vision. Thank you. Welcome. We're so pleased that you're here today. Well, thank you, Nancy. It's really an honor to be here. I have really enjoyed the Legacy Listening Podcast, so excited to, to be behind the mic with you. Yeah, great. We're so glad you're here. As you know, our company's purpose statement is leaving a legacy of enduring improvements to our communities. How does our purpose statement of leaving a legacy resonate with you, Pat? That's a great question. So I believe uh, that we have both the opportunity uh, and the obligation to consider future generations and to make sure that we're doing everything in our power uh, to leave a positive and lasting impact. And as a member of this community, I really appreciate uh, the intention that, that you and your team have, the, the dedication, the alignment uh, to creating spaces that will do that, that will have not only an impact now, but a positive and lasting impact in the future. And I'll say as a provider of uh, services for individuals who have physical disability uh, or cognitive disability, I am really, really grateful for the efforts of, of you and your team around inclusivity. I know your team's done some high impact work with us as we're looking at normalizing smart and accessible spaces for the population we serve. Uh, and we really, really appreciate the partnership. Yeah, thank you. I know our teams enjoy working on projects that have that kind of impact. It's so important. We say it often, but infrastructure is long lived, and so we've got to do it right the first time and really think about the whole impact. Absolutely, absolutely. In 2023, with fearless empowerment at Lampernearson, we're setting a course to take even better care of ourselves and each other, our stakeholders, and our company. We will let go of what no longer serves us, which is not a small task, in support of our purposeful future for our team and communities. While we don't know what wicked problems we will encounter this year, nor the full scale of our accomplishment, life is always full of surprises, we look to our future of purpose with aspirational possibilities. Patricia, what does a future of purpose look like for you? Well, I love the topic of purpose because this is what drives us to get out of bed in the morning. It's what allows us to thrive. and. Uh, the timing is so good for this, this question for me because our team recently spent some time uh, aligning around this topic mm -hmm. of purpose and how it will carry us into our future. We had a great local facilitator, Nicole Bianchi, amazing author, speaker, amazing human being who uh, helped bring us together and, and get to a point of clarity uh, on this topic. So our mission, uh, the work that we do, what we do mm -hmm. is to deliver life-changing care uh, and rehab. And 
an important part of that mission is making sure that we're helping the individuals and the families we serve uh, rediscover their purpose and, and get back on a path in life that's meaningful to them. Mm-hmm. So on a day-to-day basis, we're, we're immersed in the work of, you know, purpose and the future of purpose with the, the clients and, and their families that we're serving. But we, we really wanted to spend some time uh, thinking bigger than just those stakeholders, important stakeholders, but thinking bigger than that. And uh, when we consider how we go about carrying out our mission, how we unite as a team, how we embrace conflict uh, mm-hmm. for our commitment to excellence, and the drive we have to learn and grow, uh, when we think about how we do what we do, it's really allowed us to create this community that not only impacts the individuals, the clients and families we serve, but impacts every stakeholder in our community, whether that's a team member, whether that's a student, a volunteer, uh, a vendor partner, whoever that is. And um, and it, it created this opportunity to talk about our, our, our purpose mm-hmm. um, for multiple audiences and how that will carry us into the future. And it was really proud of our team and mm, uh, how they came together as a team of leaders uh, for the sake of our organization and how they leaned into that discussion. And uh, with Nicole's help in there, ultimately, uh, the, the group came together around this purpose statement that our purpose is to create a collaborative, trustworthy, and growth-oriented community. Mm. Uh, and that may sound simple, but for us, it really gives us intention. It gives us some meat as we move ahead uh, to say, certainly, we're going to, to carry out our mission of delivering life-changing rehab and care, um, but with this purpose of collaboration and orientation around growth and, and a high level of trust, uh, with the challenges that come our way or the mm-hmm. opportunities that come our way, um, our purpose can be bigger than that. And that might be workforce development has been a really important part of our purpose over the last few years as we're looking at how do we elevate people into careers specifically in healthcare and mm-hmm. uh, and, and move people forward um, uh, with work that's meaningful and, and breaks the cycle of poverty. Uh, our future of purpose also uh, revolves around innovation and, and how do we change how individuals who have Uh, physical or cognitive impairment how can they live differently and still engage their world in a meaningful way so so whether it's workforce whether it's innovation whether it's our mission around rehab and care uh, being grounded in this purpose statement uh, really allows me allows our team to feel excited about our our future of purpose and and what we can what we can tackle moving ahead yeah so we touched on so many important things there it's just it's not only just getting where everyone has that same sense of purpose, it, you can all move in alignment, even if there's disagreements. If you're going back to that purpose, there's an alignment about how you move forward, but on, on developing your staff, and just that's such an important mission right now, especially with all the changes that have happened in the last several years. So I, I applaud you on the work that you've done toward that and the intentionality behind that, and I can't wait to see what you guys create together. Thanks, we're, we are excited too. So speaking of the last several years, they've been like any other previous on time on record. We are working amid the most significant velocity of change in human history. It's not just technology, it's everything. Compressing time and resources. Leaders are navigating the increased demands from the residual effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, workforce gaps, you mentioned it earlier, the rise of hybrid work, you probably don't have as much opportunity for remote work than we do as an organization. Climate change, we see it with the storms that are happening Mm -hmm. across the United States and the economic uncertainties with, is it a recession, is it not a recession? Mm -hmm. Time will tell. 
Um, yeah. But let's see what happens. We've all lived through this collective trauma too that this, we just haven't begun to process yet or understand the long-term impacts. In this time, Patricia, what's been the one thing or if there's more than one thing that you've done that's made the biggest difference in your self-care and your ability to lead? Yeah, it, it is, there's so much, right? And uh, it's an important time to make sure that we are really thoughtful about how we're caring for ourselves because if we can't care for ourselves, we can't care for anybody else mm-hmm. well. And, and so I put a lot of thought into this over the, the last three years. And there are really two things that, that come to mind from a self-care perspective that I've had to, to dig in and be dedicated to. And I think it's allowed me to, to stay healthy and, and energized overall. One is how I talk to myself. Mm. Uh, it's how, how I <laughs> so give important. myself grace. It's, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay not to have the answers, especially during this time. Who has all the answers right. with all of these uh, novel situations and, and the complexity of them together? Um, but, but giving myself grace and, and also making sure that I'm consistently reframing things that are stressful, that are difficult, uh, that are adverse in any way. Um, in, in the work that we do, cognitive behavioral therapy is an important piece of mm. helping our clients and our families find a place of hope and optimism for the future. And I think I've found, and I think our, our team members, several of our team members would say the same thing, that when we have this opportunity to, to really buy into the fact that our thoughts drive our emotions mm-hmm. and not the other way around, and we have control over what we think. So if something hard comes my way, um, I've worked to get in this routine of reframing it into a learning opportunity. My team makes fun of me a little bit that everything's a quote unquote opportunity, right? Um, but well, but, but it, is. it is, it is, right? And you know, whether I'm anticipating something or reflecting on something, if I if I really bring myself to that place of, you know, what, what did I have a chance to learn that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise learned? Um, or what skills did I have a chance to develop that I wouldn't have otherwise if I didn't experience this? So, uh, so how I talk to myself and how I reframe. Uh, and then the other is recovery. And I think this is so important, and we're navigating this with a lot of our team members right now who are passionate about our mission. Uh, they're energized. They're enthusiastic. Uh, but all of us need time to, to step back and to rest um, or to have some form of active recovery. You're a runner. Um, mm-hmm. I used to run. I don't run as much as I, as I used to. But, you know, if I was Nor training. Nor do I. <laughs> <laughs> but in the days yeah. when I was training for a half marathon, you yeah. know, I, I, I relate it to that. I mean, you're, you're very methodical about mm-hmm. Uh, the days that you're working out, when you're doing a long run, the days that you have active recovery, you're not doing nothing, but you're doing something that's lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the days that you just need to shut it off and you need to rest. And, you know, I think as we look at how we engage with our work, I think those same principles apply. And so I can work really hard uh, for six out of seven days of the week if. I take the opportunity to recover on one of those days. Friday nights is my recovery time. It's my active recovery time with my family. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean I might be sitting on the couch. We might be out to dinner, but it's the time I, I really cherish and hold on to. So, uh, so that recovery time is is really something that um, that is important. And if we recover well, we'll have more energy to mm-hmm. do the other things really well too. I think I don't think we talk about that enough. That we we do need to recover. We can't keep at it day by day by right. day. If it's taking a break from the news or that's the never-ending cycle or, or whatever that is, the family time on Friday nights, it's just such, has to be a critical part of how we lead because if we don't recover, then we, we can't come to the be our best selves at the table. And as leaders in organizations, we need to show up the best way we can. Absolutely. And you said an important one, put phones down and shut the social media <laughs> off, right? Isn't that so important? Yeah. 
I, I started the app on my watch where it turns it off at bedtime. Yeah. So I, this is brand new for me, shutting everything off at 9.15. And, and it's it's been lovely, actually. So That's I, great. I'm, I'm going to note that and work that into mine. <laughs> <laughs> Need to shut it off. Yep. Uh, this ties back into our conversation about, you know, just what the last couple of years have been. But throughout the 2020s, we've had to be leaders that had to be highly agile and leading into change. Just you have to really lean in, whether it's good or bad. We've had to rely on our individual harbors of strength to navigate the choppy waters, that resting time, that exercise time, when to move, when to rest, to be able to understand how we each as an individual need to show up. My top five Gallup strengths are strategic, connected, activator, ideation, and communication. And they've all served me well during these last few years. When you think about your strength, both being a blessing and sometimes they're a curse, mm -hmm. what strengths have helped you the most during the last several years? Uh, well, thank you for sharing your strengths with me. I, I, I see that in you, I get that. So my strengths, my top five Gallup strengths are intellection, context, activator, achiever, and relator. Mm. And this is a different combination of strengths than I had 12 years ago before wow. I took on the CEO role. Uh, and I can say with certainty that I'm glad the pandemic didn't happen two years into my <laughs> role as CEO. I'm glad it happened yeah. a, a decade in yeah, and, that. Um, and that I had this particular combination of strengths. So, uh, so my previous kind of grouping of strengths, so, some of which are, are included in this group, but it was a very, uh, it was a group of strengths that was about getting stuff done. Uh, not always pausing to consider and, you know, think through things, mm -hmm. but, but get it done. And so, uh, so my top two strengths, you know, intellection um, and context, intellection being introspective, context really relying on, on the past or other experiences to, to learn and, and glean information from. It helped me a lot uh, through these last couple of years, making sure that I was pausing. Um, I was thinking through mm -hmm. um, options, you know, what are all the options to solve these problems? What are the uh, potentially unintended consequences to each of these options, but but pausing and making sure I was really considering uh, the best path forward. And 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 I still have activator and achiever as far as my get stuff done right, uh, right. strengths, and so those kept me from you know getting stuck into uh, being paralyzed by analysis, which I think could have been easy to do at any point in these last couple of years. But uh, but that combination of, of pause and think, make sure you have all the information, and then uh, you know you do have to move ahead at some point. Really helped. I think for me, it's just being, you know, having those um, strengths that are, none of them are really doers. So making sure that, you know, the team is behind you, you're there partnering with the team and make, and there were so many things, so many decisions that we had to make. And you said it, we didn't know what the consequence was going to be long term. So, and with your population that you're working with, you're, the, the um, decisions were life and death. They could have been life and death. So. I appreciate how you took care of your team during these last several years. Absolutely, and I, you know, I think you, what you just said about making sure that we really understand our strengths and the strengths of the people around us mm -hmm. so that we're using our complementary styles to come together. Uh, none of this can be done alone, right? It, it had to be a team effort, and the more that we're aware of each other's strengths and, and can bring those together, the better the decisions, yeah. for sure. So appreciate that. So I'm a firm believer in philosophy of servant leadership. It is a type of leadership that requires bold authenticity, honesty, and thinking outside of the box. Servant leadership aims to empower employees, foster inclusivity, and develop genuine relationships. To me, servant leadership is more than a leadership style or philosophy. 
It's a means to cultivate a culture of support, engaging peer-to-peer -peer care. We've talked about this a little bit. What are some of the ways that peers can support and care for one another in the workplace that you've seen? Well, first, I agree with everything you said about servant leadership and consistent with your philosophies on leadership. Our, our team sees leadership as a verb, mm -hmm. uh, a process of inspiring and, and bringing the best out in people. So, um, so I, I, I buy into the idea of servant leadership. So the many ways that I think peers can, can support one another, I think my favorite is by being a PR agent for each other. Mm -hmm. And this was a philosophy or a mindset that Dr. Hogaveen instilled very early on in our, um, in our company. But uh, it really doesn't take a lot of time or energy to publicly recognize someone and to make sure that that public recognition, recognition gets spiderwebbed you know, throughout the team or throughout the company that that recognition gets back to that individual secondhand so that they know uh, that the person recognizing them went out of their way to share with other people about the great work that they're doing. And uh, this process of recognizing our peers uh, over recognizing ourselves over mm -hmm. self-promotion uh, goes so far in creating uh, trust within a team, uh, making sure somebody, making sure our peers know that they're valued and that they're respected. Uh, and the, you know, the, the neuroscience side of me, the physiological mm -hmm. aspect of that process of making sure our peers feel, feel valued, respected, that there's a high level of trust within the team, those are the things that combat stress, combats how cortisol can impact us, right? By, by bringing out this serotonin and oxytocin and uh, the, the longer lasting chemicals that, that really allow us to be healthy um, and, and back to purpose, right? Mm -hmm. That allow us to feel excited about showing up at work even, if, even when the work might be hard, we get to show up with a group of people that we genuinely enjoy being around and we feel a high sense of belonging with. So, uh, so being a PR agent is one of my favorite um, favorite ways that I think peers can support peers and it's a huge part of my day-to-day -day work I keep my note cards everywhere so I can write you know I get notes from people and I can write notes and, awesome. and pass yeah. them along and yeah. uh, every spare second I have you know at a stoplight at dinner before the meal comes wherever it might be yeah that's amazing it's uh, it's important to take the time to do that I we're getting ready for the new Ted Lasso season and yes. so we watched the last one from the last season and just just the I believe you know just yeah. the believe and the 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 freedom to give one another, the, the the grace to acknowledge them. It just, I mean, it's a show, but it's true. It's it just, is true. It's a, it's such a easy thing to do if we do it. If we do it, yeah. 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 Um, well, it's Women's History Month, the time when we pause to celebrate the successes of women. While we're in very different industries, professional challenges can mirror one another. Was there a time you had difficulty finding your voice and the work that you're doing, and what did that look like, and how relevant is it today? Absolutely, so I feel like I should start by saying, uh, acknowledging that I am so lucky that I've been part of an organization for 22 years that's 80% female. Mm -hmm. um, that that has you know really, I think, minimized maybe uh, the amount of times I, I haven't been able to find my voice. And, and my first 10 years at QLI, I worked for a CEO, Dr. Hogeveen, who really valued having women in leadership positions. And so it also created a lot of opportunity for me. So I feel really lucky. But I, I will acknowledge that when I stepped into the CEO role you know, 12 years ago and my role became more external facing, um, I, it was a little unexpected that I found myself at times in positions um, that if I was with our CFO or our director of marketing, both male, 
that the audience automatically assumed that one of them was the CEO. And you know that that in and of itself is not a big deal. I don't have a huge ego tied to my title or anything. But but sometimes there were important conversations that we were having and work we were trying to get done. Mm -hmm. And I found myself in a position where I not only couldn't lead those conversations, but but a couple of times I vividly remember that I couldn't even really contribute to the conversation because our audience was really directing the conversation at, at one of my male counterparts. And, um, and it was unexpected. And, and early on, you know, in, in my leadership role, it didn't help my confidence all yeah. that much. You know, it, it was yeah. a barrier. But, but over time, you know, I figured out how to navigate the conversations. You know, my team members that I referenced, Todd and Don, they were um, amazingly supportive and, and helpful in, in steering conversations, you know, back in my direction. And, um, and, and I had a lot of female leaders, too, during that time who were willing to reach out and uh, mentor me and, and help me build my confidence. And, and so all of that helped me move forward. And it's, it's been a while since I haven't been able to, to find my voice as a result. So, and, and I think the relevance of that is, is, you know, now we're in this position. I'm in this position that uh, based on my experiences and, and what I've learned from that, I have this opportunity to pay it forward to mm -hmm. other young female leaders who may find themselves in similar positions. You know, how can I um, create time and space to mentor those individuals as they're finding their voice? And then just very generally, uh, and, and I think we're, even though we're 80% female at QLI, I think we're still doing some of this work. I know we're still doing some of this work in our organization, but, but very generally, how do I do everything in my power to make sure I'm paving a path for the future mm -hmm. that puts us in a situation that we never even have these conversations again, right? Wouldn't it be right. awesome to right. not have to talk about a time that a female leader couldn't find her voice? Yeah. So I look forward to that day. I do too. I do too. And I hurrah, hurrah for you yeah. on that. I appreciate that. Ensuring colleagues and peers feel listened to and that their voice matters in professional equation is imperative. You, you, you just described that perfectly. A critical communication tool that I love is that intentional listening. So being able to, to speak our voice, but then also being able to listen. Employees who feel that leadership is listening to them feel more valued in the workplace. Studies show it time after time. How would you encourage leaders to ensure their employees' voices are heard? Yeah, listening is such a good, yeah, such a good skill, and I think it's one that we don't spend enough time personally on or, you know, as we're developing other leaders, uh, developing that skill. So I, that's a really great one. So, you know, I'd say long before I started at QLI, our, the leaders of our company had this uh, open door policy um, mm -hmm. in that they really wanted, and, and we still have this open door policy at QLI, you know, this idea of leaders being accessible. So, you know, we've always wanted all of our team members to know that uh, they can walk into the office of, of any executive leader in the company and uh, ask questions, um, share ideas, give their opinions, mm -hmm. whatever that might be. And uh, as important as that accessibility is, that, that accessible leader message is, uh, I think we've also learned over time that uh, having an open door policy isn't enough. Uh, it also has to be the accountability of me and my leadership team that we're going out, that we're getting out of our offices and we're seeking out that information from our mm -hmm. team members because we have so many team members who, despite our messaging from the day that they start with our company, they're still not going to be comfortable coming to us to, sure, to ask questions right, and share right. ideas. So so we have to be out there. And, and oftentimes we have to be 
um, in a space that's more comfortable for the team members. So maybe working side by side with those team members so, uh, so that they're comfortable and that we're earning trust and, and opening those lines mm -hmm. of communications. And so, uh, so making sure that the open door policy exists, uh, but that we're all getting out of our office and, and spending that time side by side with our team members to, to get that information is important. Yeah, I think that one-on-one -on -one time is just, um, it's so important to be able to build that relationship and to, and to build culture and so that people understand what the true meaning of our purpose is. Absolutely, yeah. Pat, we've talked a lot about today about leadership, women's leadership and what that looks like and, and, we, and we all have different stories. We all bring different things to the table and we have varying resources within us to forge our path. And you talked about that, building the path for that next leader and how important that is, no matter who that is, that you, that you provide that opportunity and the exposure and give them the chance to show their leadership style. Our inherent wisdom is our foundation for success. I firmly believe this. And within that wisdom, I have found that we cannot build success alone and that we need the assistance of others to develop our path. How has having a network helped you in your career? Yeah. So. You know, I would say starting with business, having a network has been critical just to the success of our business. Collaboration is one of the values of our, of our team, of our organization, and uh, how we come together to rely on each other and work together is not only important within our team, but it's what feeds our value of partnerships as well. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so the idea of network and working together has been really critical to the, the success of our mission. But as it relates to developing our path as individuals, um, asking for help, um, mm -hmm. seeking out mentoring, uh, and, and generally just the, the value of camaraderie for our emotional health mm -hmm. um, is, is really critical to our development. And I love so many things about the Omaha community, but I think first and foremost, uh, what I really love is how individuals, especially in the business community, <clears throat> come together to invest in each other's success. And I know that's not perfect. We can think about all the ways that that, mm -hmm. that could get even better. But I've really been on the receiving end of that, the, the receiving end of leaders reaching out to me uh, to, to provide mentoring and to provide coaching or being willing to take my call or respond to my email when, uh, when I'm in need of help. And, uh, and generally investing in my growth and success as a leader. And so uh, this idea of having a, a network um, has really allowed me to, to develop my skills. And, and today, because of that, I, I'm a different leader than I was 12, 12 years ago before mm -hmm. maybe I, um, maybe I bought, before I bought into that and, and really put some effort into it. So, uh, and, and it's helped my confidence as well. But, mm -hmm. but I think for all of us as we're developing, you know, our path forward, uh, that network, that business network, that social network is, is really critical to our development. We can't do it alone. No, we can't. And understanding that it's okay to ask for help I think so often, especially women in leadership roles, feel like they have to prove themselves, and so that asking for help, somehow the messaging has been that that's a negative, but the, the truth is that's where the beauty of the collaboration, of the networks, of how we raise everybody up together, and I, I, so I appreciate your perspective because I find that true for myself that I just I have to have that network of support because, because we don't have to do this alone. We can't, we can't build this together. Yeah, coming out of grad school, 
that phrase, fake it till you make it, yeah. uh, was really seared in my brain. And so I, I went into the work world thinking that's how you have to behave. And, um, and you know, when you think about learning and this process of learning requires coaching and it requires feedback and it requires mm-hmm. learning from your failures. And so uh, the fastest way to assure that you're not going to learn and grow is to fake it till you make it. So <laughs> right. bad advice. It's terrible <laughs> advice. I don't remember who gave it to me a long time ago, but it's terrible. <laughs> I agree 100%. Well, thank you so much for coming today. That's all the time we have. Um, And thank you for tuning in to the Legacy Listening Podcast with your host, Nancy Predahl. I'd like to once again thank our guest, Patricia Kearns, for joining us today for the first episode of 2023. It was a pleasure and honor to have you with us. To our listeners, we hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Like, share, and tune in next quarter as we continue the conversation. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Thank you.